High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. especially in the inner cities, and a big shout-out to all of you staying in school despite the circumstances. This is a very special Monday study edition of High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the study session's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session. And we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. First off, I hope you're staying inside. I hope you're staying safe. That is, of course, if you are not part of the current support system. Trust me, it's fine. I'm non-essential, too, if you are. (laughs) Don't feel bad. But obviously, I want to give a shout-out to those helping out, especially those in the medical community. I love my doctors. I love my nurses. Definitely all the love for them. And to protect them and to protect the sick who need us right now, stay inside and be safe. So if you weren't with us last Monday and you're here today, you might be like, what the hell? High school slumber party on a Monday? Well, during this crisis, I've decided to release twice a week, so we're going to have these special Monday study sessions. You know, you're at home, some of you. You're uh, kind of uh, getting a little restless, maybe, but we still got a homeschool. You know that. And the show must go on, and now it's going to go on doubly. So, of course, every week I mention this, but you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Let me know how you're doing. Slide into my DMs. We can talk about anything you want. You could also email me at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. That's highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. Remember, guys, class participation is a huge part of your grade, even during these times. In fact, it might be the most important part of your grade. Also, a very, 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 very important thing to do. And no, 
I'm not going to mention it again. Okay, I will. Someone please get John Cusack to unblock us on Twitter. But besides for that, <laughs> tell a friend about all the wonderful things we're doing on High School Slumber Party. That's the best way you could spread the love of the show. Other ways you could spread the love is by going on that app you're listening to us right now on, whether that be Stitcher, whether that be Spotify, whether that be Apple Podcasts, or whether that be Google Play, and giving us a five-star rating, writing a review if possible. And I might as well mention here, just a reminder, that you could always check the show out as well, as well as all of our past episodes on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other great podcasts. So if you find yourself bored during these times or just need something to distract yourself with, so many podcasts there. So many. I think we're producing more than ever. Now your slumber party homework. Last Friday, I hope you listened to our super awesome episode with the great, the wonderful Kate Hudson. It was part of the Hudson Five. That film was Hiding Out, a film where John Cryer, a 22-year-old John Cryer, plays a 27-year-old stockbroker, I think 29-year-old stockbroker, I keep forgetting, who hides out in high school as a 17-year-old. It's as weird as it sounds. It's amazing. Watch it. I think it's free on Prime. This film is also free on Prime, the one you have to watch today, and it's The Substitute with Tom Berenger. Ugh, this is... This is such an interesting film, and we're going to talk all about it today with two great people, two people who I just love chatting with. They're both at our live show. Of course, the first one is the foodie films man himself, Kyle Reinfried, my partner on PS I Love Hoffman, my other show here on the network. And the other guest here is someone who I've had on once, not counting the live show, but someone who I really want to have on again, because he's just a wealth of knowledge, the man with the most impressive VHS collection I've ever seen, and that's Christian Larson. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. And like I said last week, I brought the bell home with me because homeschool is still in session. Remember that, guys. we got to plow through your sophomore year. i got a lot of movies to talk about, hundreds and hundreds of more movies to talk about. <laughs> uh, but I can't keep you too long, right? I know you want to get into this film, The Substitute. So without further ado, hmm, I still haven't figured out what to say here because, again, I don't know if I should make Monday's slumber party nights. So pack your notebook, perhaps, Tell your mother you're going to get on a audio call with Brian, because we're about to get our study party on. I leave you with a song from the Substitute soundtrack, of course. The song is Miami Life by Roz Kaz. Class dismissed. Refusing to listen to what the PTA say. F a 4.0 GPA, I got a 5.0 GPA. 
ETA hitting the chop shop with the ETA at three o'clock. So shake the spot like Luke and them girls with the Daisy Duke. Cause life's a beach and I'll forever be wearing my bathing suit. Met this Colombian mommy, said a daddy crappy cabbie with government. So I have the testosterone pumping today, guys. This <laughs> this is a real man movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, this, this movie was actually a movie I watched at a high school sleepover. What? Oh my god! We, yeah, wow. we gotta get into that. That's awesome. Uh, oh yeah. But, but I mean, it's it's a classic. <laughs> like, uh, I'm a big fan of the Canon films from the '80s, and in the '90s, there were a lot of studios that took over that that sort of mantle as these balls to the wall, hyper masculine <laughs> action films. And live entertainment was one of them. And as soon as I saw. You know, there was like New Line Cinema. There was Carol Co. Uh, there were there were certain production companies that when you saw their logo at the beginning of a movie, you knew what you were getting into. And live entertainment was one of them. So <laughs> the memories came rushing back as soon as I saw that. And I couldn't believe this was 96. But, but before any of that, first, I was thinking of movies to do. We're currently, you know, in our little coronavirus quarantine stage right now i'm a little loopy so i apologize but uh kyle we were talking we're like you know we need to we need to record we need to do some movies and i was looking at my like big list of like 500 high school films there's a lot of them yeah (laughs) i'm like what's the substitute and i looked it up i'm like wow this is a man movie and though i've seen you cry on a beach before kyle you pride yourself <laughs> I think on numerous occasions. That's a very specific uh, reference there. <laughs> but but you pride yourself, you know, like like, a, like being a man, right? And like I'm like, you know, th- I, I don't know if I pride <laughs> I like myself. I'm not like I'm not image. like Don Corleone. You can act like a man all I feel the like time. That's your image, like, I feel like that's what people think of you. My image. No one knows my. I don't even know my image. <laughs> but regardless, everyone. I think I think I'm one of the most like everyone presumes assumes like totally thinks they like know me and again that's even that's not me being like you don't know me it's like i don't think i, I don't know me well like uh, i'm a kyle I'm, if, if uh, it makes you feel any better to me you are a mystery wrapped in an enigma i have no idea <laughs> thank you like i, I mean intrigued yeah. completely do i look a bit a little bit like a lumberjack sure but do i love you know, musical theater. Yes, I do. <laughs> do I cry at like Disney movies or just a lot of movies these days? I'm emotional. You are. But, I know yes, you're anyway. emotional because I know you well, but I don't think that like the podcast audience knows that side of you. And we're going to forget about that side today, though, because I just want. Well, wait, wait, <laughs> yeah. wait. If Kyle, can I ask you, uh, how do you feel about these sort of action movies, these 80s, 90s action films? Are they favorites of yours? Do you have favorites among them? The 80s? Yes. I mean, like, this is also, I mean, just the fact that I also am like planning my I have no idea when they'll happen, but possible bachelor slash wedding party someday also. You were planning your bachelor party before you even met the woman. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And so, but like one possible bachelor party that I would be happy with would just be like hanging out with my friends and just watching like 80s action flicks, that of Commando, Predator, Die Hard. So, I mean, like those are the ones that I love. The 90s, like this is not like a 90s action movie 
I well that I ever saw or this like staying in this genre I wasn't familiar with in the 90s like when I think action in the 90s it starts getting like bigger with like Independence Day and like yeah, that kind bad of boys. stuff bad boys yeah exactly sure, John Frankenheimer Michael Bay kind of stuff yeah but I do love this style like from the 80s but i was just i'm just not like familiar with it as much when it took place in the 90s i guess that transitional but also i mean you just see it like tom berenger is dressed like a dad in this movie so he's just <laughs> oh, like I with khakis it. and tucked it. in like polos and everything <laughs> so it, the genre itself is you know maturing in a way so, so kyle that's as good as an introduction as any, but we do have procedure here on High School Slumber Party. So go first and introduce yourself. Name, high school, team name, graduating class. You know the drill by this point. Kyle Reinfried, class of 2005 from Northern Valley Regional High School at Old Tapan. Go Golden Knights. Of course, classmate, good friend of mine, podcast bro. We've done it all. And when we were just mulling this over, I sent you a link to the Wikipedia article, and you were like, oh, we need to get Larson on this. And I'm like, you know what? You're so <laughs> right. So then I pitched it to you, Christian Larson, and uh, why don't you introduce yourself in that same high school slumber party model? Sure. Well, I'm honored to say this is the second time I'll be doing that. I'm a, I'm a fan of both of your podcasts as well as your ventures together. And I'm, I'm happy to be sharing this conversation with both of you. I'm Christian Larson, Ramsey High School class of 1997, one year after this movie came out. <laughs> Go Rams. Go Rams. So, so this came out when you were in high school. Yeah, I was a, I was a junior, I believe. I think uh, we had some friends over, had a, a short stack from Blockbuster on a Friday night, and... Uh, that was one of them. Oh, oh, I love it. This is what this is all about. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear that. So you have seen this movie before then? Yeah, it, uh, literally the last time I saw it was 1996. So this. Oh, wow. I actually tried to convince my wife to watch it when I saw it <laughs> pop up on Amazon a few weeks ago, and she, she respectfully declined. So oh. I'm, I'm really glad I had an excuse. You should have d- done a double feature with Josie and the Pussycats, and then it would have been okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, again, I'm so happy to have you guys on, like, this is... I'm just excited. I watched this movie, and I was getting so excited to talk about it. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie in the world, but just there's a lot of talking points here. We'll put it that way. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Did you guys just watch it on Amazon? Because it's on Prime, guys. Yes. That's how I watched it. Yeah, I mean, I, of course, notoriously have an extensive VHS collection, but this is not one of them. So I watched it on Amazon. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's missing. You need to get this. because. I know. When and I'm gonna read it in a second. When I was reading the back of the VHS cover. I was like, I'm picturing this in Larson's voice at one of his parties <laughs> for one of like the <laughs> votes for what we should be watching next. It's perfect. So here goes. Shale, a battle scarred mercenary, finds the war has moved closer to home when his girlfriend is attacked by a ruthless band of teenagers. Determined to root out this terrifying menace once and for all, Shale goes undercover in a local high school to rid the community of this deadly threat. Posing as a teacher, he and his crack team of mercenaries set an elaborate trap to catch the ringleaders and demonstrate the awesome power of justice in this explosive thriller. And normally I don't read these, but I have to read like one of these like back of VHS quotes. Dangerous Minds meets Steven Seagal. <laughs> That's actually a pretty I mean that was that was almost literally the way it was pitched. 
to the studio. I think the movie does a surprisingly good job of balancing both of those aspects. It's true. It's so true. Is this almost like if Sergeant Barnes from Platoon survived and <laughs> continued on? Kyle, not going to lie. Some people have internet theories, and, and we'll go there right away. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you noticed, but he has the same scar as Sergeant Barnes. It's not as big. Okay, maybe it's not as big, right? But like... He said reconstructive surgery <laughs> in Miami. They modeled it after that. I was confused. I'm like, wait, does Tom Berenger normally have a scar? I thought this was like a Forrest Whitaker lazy eye thing that I just like hadn't noticed. <laughs> but no, this is... It's something that the producers actually wanted to put because of his character in Platoon. A little homage, but I mean, I they go to great lengths to make his character sympathetic in this movie, which is something Sergeant Parnes does not. (laughs) No, definitely, yeah, definitely correct. No, I think we would all be disappointed if we found out that this was Sergeant Barnes, you know? (laughs) People mellow over time. (laughs) It's true, it's true. Yeah, he found this love. I mean, are they boyfriend, girlfriend? Like, is that... It seems like when he's in town... Well, I'm sure we'll get into that. His relationship with the teacher is very interesting, but (laughs) I don't don't want to get into it now. (laughs) Yeah, let's get the nitty-gritty out of the way. Let's get the boring production stuff. Well, really, there's none. This is one of the movies with very few scholarship <laughs> online. The director is a guy named Robert Mandel. When I looked at his credits quickly, he did the film School Ties, which we'll cover on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> Was any of you guys familiar with this guy? Do you even care? Because I really don't. <laughs> I'd never heard of him. <laughs> no. I, I've never. I'm going to look at it right now just to <laughs> kind of see if I recognize anything. And before we get into the cast, one of the only facts about this film and, and this is a foodie film fact, is uh, the film was shot in the summer months, and the kids who were enrolled in summer classes were extras in the film. Free Papa John's pizza was served to anyone who would stay after school and be an extra. Oh. Well, we <laughs> well, see they have that the Papa in John's truck later. in the background. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they make the Papa John's thing very clear. So that's literally one of the only facts you could find about this film, and that's totally okay. We don't have to get buried in the internet minutia. We just want to get into what we saw today. And you mentioned, right, Tom Berenger. He's the star, an action hero, big 80s star. It wasn't so hot in the 90s, I don't think, but I don't know. What do you think of a... Uh, Tom Berenger's performance in this role. I thought he was great. I mean, he he managed to be this sort of straight-laced military guy, like right down to the uh, the short-sleeved dress shirt and the perfectly <laughs> parted hair as he's walking into this, like, uh, you know, crazy urban school. Totally by the book, a man of honor, square-jawed kind of dude. But also, they did a lot to to sympathize him, to, to make him more than one dimensional. And uh, the bar is pretty low for movies like this (laughs) to create a compelling uh, lead character in a movie like this is not that hard if you put some effort into it. So I liked him a lot. And maybe that's why I found myself enjoying this film. The bar for me was very low. Frankly, I expected this to be like boomer cinema, right? Like, guy who has guns comes into an inner city school that's lawless and he lays down the law but you're so right they do a lot to sympathize him and sympathize the other characters it helped me get into it yeah i think he did a good job it's kind of uh it's fun you know so he is like the straight lace and you know very 
honorable and where is wearing kind of I mean I guess that was I mean that was just like the outfits of the time but just like dad casual uh <laughs> down there uh in Miami but I mean one thing I noticed Tom Berenger was just like I think oh, perpetually sweating in this movie everyone, it's Miami, no, I saw, like, no one else everyone was sweating yeah. no I don't think I didn't see anyone else sweating in the movie uh, I think like I I remember I I used to have a coworker who was from the Caribbean and he always had a a washcloth with him to pat himself down because when you live down there you're sweating all the time i mean i don't know why he was still sweating in new york city but you see a lot of characters even ernie hudson at one point when he's walking tom berenger around the school he's he's got a handkerchief and he's he's tapping himself down and a lot of students in the class are i mean i can't imagine that the school has air conditioning um, <laughs> no. and it's it's miami so and of course i think sweatiness if you look at fast five uh sweatiness adds to any action thriller <laughs> and kyle you've been known to bring a good old sweat handkerchief to a wedding so it's true it's true I everybody on the sweats dance floor. nothing to be ashamed of no, that's why I love the city of New Orleans, because like up, up here, I'm the first one to break a sweat. I go down there, everyone's sweating. I'm like, my people. You walk out of the shower sweating, it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ernie Hudson, I guess he's like the second lead here as Principal Claude Rollet, as they pronounce it. Or oh, Raleigh sometimes. Him. Um, love any him. any thoughts on Ernie Hudson? Obviously, Ghostbusters and so many other great things. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see him in the bad guy role. I'm, I'm usually familiar as like a good guy or you know like a sidekick kind of character. So I think he did a good job as the crooked cop that then becomes this principal and is helping the Seminole Indians with their drug <laughs> ring and. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, I know you're yeah. a big Ernie Hudson guy, and when I saw his like heel turn here, I'm like, oh no! I hope Kyle isn't like sad about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a little disappointing. Like there's just sometimes you know like don't want to see certain actors playing the bad guy. So at first it's like, oh, but but he did a good job. He was he was uh he ended up being believable. I was a little confused at first, just in the like, I mean I think it's just because of maybe like a sloppy dialogues you know for, uh, or whatever but just uh, yeah just like okay he's bad and then but then but then he's like you know he's talking to mark anthony and or the kod but then also like so this he even like the security guys at the school are bad and it just it was a little all over the place at first but then it, i don't know he came together and ended up being a pretty good bad guy yeah I, ernie hudson is definitely one of those people that didn't get the work he deserved but when you see him pop up in something you're always pleasantly surprised like he always brings his a game i love him in congo which is an otherwise oh so good forgettable movie hashtag monkey club Uh, right monkey club yeah hashtag monkey club (laughs) episode (laughs) uh episode eight i believe you know as the as the smooth kind of fixer who knows how to get certain things in a war-torn African nation. But he's he's great in this. The only, quite literally, the only two things I knew about this movie from when I last watched it 20-some years ago, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, um, <laughs> was that he was the bad guy, that he ended up being in charge of the drug trade at the high school, and that 
the movie ends with Berenger walking off into the sunset with a friend of his, uh, <laughs> talking about what they're going to do next. And uh, yeah, with- I'm I'm sorry if you have this. I know we're going through the cast right now, but his best friend, his mercenary best friend, who is the only mercenary left alive at the end of the movie, is the actor who plays Tuco. On, yeah, Tuco uh, Salamanca. Yeah, Tuco Salamanca on on uh, Better Call Saul and of course Breaking Bad. Yeah, Joey Six. I actually really liked um, his mercenary team here in terms of like most of the actors who played everyone. Oh yeah, come on, oh, great. I mean, you, you can't have a classic Harry action movie without a great mercenary team. <laughs> Unfortunately, the great mercenary team didn't have great mercenary deaths. No, 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 but. I mean, again, like you mentioned, Raymond Cruz, great. Luis Guzman, underutilized, but great. Oh, man. Before his name even appeared in the credits, they like the movie opens on a, a mission that goes wrong, <laughs> and everyone's kind of shot in silhouette at the beginning. And before Luis Guzman was even listed, I was like, that's Luis Guzman. Like, <laughs> so true. His, his shadow was so, I was like, holy fuck, Luis Guzman is in this. Yeah, this is a year before Boogie Nights. So, like, I don't know, like, you know, he's, I don't know how well, he, not that Boogie Nights even made him well known. Well, yeah, I, I, um, I invited some people over last week. We ended up watching a movie called McBain, uh, not Ooh. to be confused with the Simpsons character, but it's. <laughs> An action movie starring Christopher Walken, Ooh. where he is a Vietnam vet, and one of the guys in his old platoon ended up being a rebel leader in South America. And Christopher Walken has to go down there and overthrow a third world country, which oh, is <laughs> amazing. It's like Death Wish meets Commando. It's fantastic. Wait, is it a spinoff Walken. movie of his character from Pulp Fiction? <laughs> you know, it might have been. Watch! Uh, but Luis Guzman played like a low-level drug dealer in that, and it's clear he was like, you know, 23. But he looked like Luis <laughs> Guzman. I mean, <laughs> and he always will. The God other, the other mercenary I wrote down was like William Forsythe as oh, yeah. Holland, who. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's all over. He's the place. all over the place. <laughs> but when I first saw him. Like, for a split second, I thought he was Gary Cole, and I got really excited. <laughs> but no, he's no. kind of a He's kind of a cross between Gary Cole and Gary Busey. Yeah, you're yes. right. Yes. Right. When I was younger, I, oh, I, I would confuse him with Gary Busey when I was so younger. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And his character is a very Busey-esque character. Oh, I, yeah. I, I imagine that Busey maybe turned it down, but he's, <laughs> he's very, like, over-the-top, kind of rednecky. Loose cannon. He's a loose. I wrote this down. Like you never know. Is he going to betray the team? Is he not? Is he fucking crazy? Is he a drug addict? Great stuff. <laughs> the girlfriend in question is played by Diane Venora. Had you guys seen her in other things? I feel like I have. I'm looking at her IMDb, and I must have seen her in other things, but unfortunately, I don't really. She was in uh, yeah. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Huh. Okay. Uh, she was in <laughs> Heat. Heat. Yeah. All good things. Yeah. The 13th Warrior, which is great. I haven't seen that forever. <laughs> I mean, so we'll move on from her. She she is yeah. what she is. But I, I need to bring up this person, Kyle, because we were just recently talking about him on your podcast. And someone brought him up before. But Mark Anthony plays uh, Lacus, the leader kind of of the teenage drug gang. And I said this on your show, Kyle. I now have covered 
like Mark Anthony's three big films of this era. And I didn't even know he was like an actor <laughs> like five years ago. So I did Hackers, which he's in. You and I, Kyle, did mm-hmm. Big Night, which he's in. And then now this film, I'm like, whoa, why am I watching all this Mark Anthony lately? <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of him? I mean, he has just such a unique look, you know? He does. He has such a great look and just, I mean, a complete opposite, you know, role from that he had in uh, Big Night. Like, he had very little dialogue in Big Night, so it was, it was kind of cool to see him acting with, you know, dialogue in this film. Um, and I thought, you know, he did, like, a good lower-level kind of drug guy, just that Ernie Hudson is, like, ordering around. It was, it was it was a believable relationship, so, and, like, and again, he just has, like, a great look to him that just worked for this film. He didn't really have that. He was just, like, the sinister head of the high school gang. I thought that he was going to be one of those characters that starts off as bad and then over the course of the film yeah turns to the good side and him and Berenger are best pals at the end that didn't quite happen they had some other characters filling that role he just ended up being evil the whole thing <laughs> so i was a little afraid that it might be like from the trailer like a little bit racist <laughs> like white guy against like inner city people but and very consciously they actually make a, I feel like a big effort to make sure there's like ethnicities on all sides who are good and bad, if that makes sense. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's like, oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I was worried about that too. Like you said before, I was worried that it would be like Dirty Harry meets Dangerous Minds. Like, <laughs> you know, like obviously I have, I have friends who worked in inner city schools. Like I know the realities of that stuff, but it would be very easy to take a, tone-deaf approach to it, especially if you're making it into a fucking exploitation (laughs) action movie. But they handled it really well, and and one of the... I I took a lot of notes. There's a scene... Because, of course, there's, like, the first scene where he goes in and the kids don't respect him, and he scares them into respecting him. Like, he he puts a kid in in like an arm lock or whatever. And after that, they start listening to his Vietnam stories. Good morning, class. Today, we're going to talk about Vietnam. Disorder in my room. Clean it up, Tay. You stay down there, little spotless. Oh man, look at him, dog. All red and embarrassed and shit. Shut up, Jerome. And you, hand over the ice pick. What ice pick, man? I ain't got no ice pick. This is my class, Rodriguez. I know everything, and I don't allow weapons in here. This ain't your class, bitch. I'll carry what the fuck I want, because you better take a Superman shit somewhere else. Ah! It's impolite to stick your finger in somebody's chest. Would you like it if I did that to you? All right, hand over the ice pick, please. 
Motherfucker, you broke my hand! I just bent a little. I don't break him on the first offense. I'm in charge of this class. I'm the warrior chief. I'm the merciless god of anything that stirs in my universe. You fuck with me, and you will suffer my wrath. Entiende no studies? Estoy claro? Yeah. Can I go to the nurse's office? Yeah, sure, Rodriguez. Go ahead. Take Tay with you. Come on, bitch. But, but then there's another scene where he comes in and he starts talking about gang life and, and how... 1950s gangs, the dragons. Yeah. The dragons. Yeah. The in- Go dragons. Yeah, and he's, he's in there and, and, and it, he's talking to them on their level and he's relating like his childhood gang experiences to theirs. And you start to think, like, this is a guy who probably came from a situation not that unlike where they are and yeah. that's one of those surprising moments that humanizes him in the movie yeah exactly like again this is not a movie that i expected to be like defending in this way but i, I yeah. am like they didn't have to do that you know they could have just made this a straight whatever action film but they added these little wrinkles where i'm like you know what okay <laughs> yeah like i mean the the relationship um there's that one other good teacher, uh, Sherman, mm-hmm. I think Mr. Yeah, Sherman, Mr. Sherman, right? And he's a friend of uh, Jane's. And then just like that, the last scene of his when he's talking to Ernie Hudson and just saying like, oh, you know, you, you know you're know, you selling out on your people. And like you said, like there's, there's representation on both sides. I mean, you've got Tom Berenger, you know, the good white mercenary. Then you have that other guy that's like the bad white mercenary. And then you even, you know, you have Latinos on both sides. I guess the Seminole Indians are just bad in general. <laughs> yeah, that's so. a that's a weird <laughs> choice. Make like the most oppressed yeah. group in the history of this country yeah. just bad guys. But you know <laughs> Yeah, it's like and I've also I've only honestly seen them like represented in two films, this and adaptation. So it's just kind of <laughs> weird. Both both are drug related, so I don't know the fair representation of specific Seminole Indians is good out there yeah. seminal native americans i should say <laughs> before we start getting into all the plot and stuff we should probably break down how it all gets set up uh because tom berenger is uh dating a public school teacher tom berenger is a mercenary he's dating a <laughs> he's public a, school I want to be teacher. Clear he's a mercenary but he's still on like the government payroll the, the cia is the one who employs him for that cuba mission and then they disavow him because yeah. the mission didn't go well. Yeah, so then it's like they're on the expendables level. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a mercenary, but he's still like doing government work. At this point, since he's disavowed, he's technically like a mercenary for hire in the truest yeah. form of the, the word. And he's dating a public school teacher who who gets on the bad side of the the Lords of Chaos. What's their name, the high school gang? <laughs> K.O.D.? Yeah. The Kings of Destruction. Yes, Kings Is of Destruction. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> And for some reason, they hate her so much. And I I didn't quite get why they hate her so much. But they fucking Nancy Kerrigan her oh my God, while she's yeah. out jogging. and In broad daylight, mind you. In broad daylight. Yeah. <laughs> With the biggest guy ever. Yeah. Just this, like, 300-pound dude kneecaps her. All because she was strict in class? <laughs> I, I don't know. She, but, was, she uh, was doing her job teaching. She wasn't over the line at all. No, definitely not. 
but it turns out that her boyfriend is Tom Berenger. And it's weird because in movies like this, you expect there to be a lot of secrets in a couple like this. You know, you're you're protecting government <laughs> secrets and your your girlfriend <laughs> is a high school, you know, history teacher. You can't be that open about your oh job. Oh, my God. I wrote that down. Like, when he returned, she's just like, oh, I thought you were on a secret mission. What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, come that's, on. That's, that's Miami. Yeah. I mean, The look, only secrets are left on the dance floor. Honesty <laughs> is important in any relationship, but if you're a government mercenary, like, <laughs> you got to have some boundaries. <laughs> and that continues throughout the film, by the way. Like, just a piggyback on that. The fact that he's, you know, trying to go undercover, and then he's literally telling the students, as you mentioned, his real Vietnam stories. <laughs> no, no, but but don't don't forget that he has a uh, past already, like, cooked up that they check into. And I wrote this down because he went to, like, four Ivy League colleges. <laughs> yeah. It's like... You're trying not to look suspicious. Like, say that you got a degree from fucking Rutgers. Like, don't don't say that. Well, yeah, you isn't there to... that like one-off line by Luis Guzman or something? Like, what? I wanted to make it look yeah, good it, or something. It was uh, like... two degrees from either two from Prin- no, one from Harvard, two from Princeton, at one from oh, Yale. Sorry. Yeah, I, I have Harvard. it written down. Oh, yeah, like he he graduated from Harvard. <laughs> he got a PhD at Princeton, and then he did postgraduate work at Yale. <laughs> and then like, he's going to go teach. The, he, not, not only is he a, be teacher, a substitute he's a substitute teacher. I'm just saying, Miami. like, if he wanted to stay inconspicuous, like, why'd you have to go that far? I don't know. <laughs> and also, I mean, actually, like you were saying before, as far as, like, no secrets with his girlfriend and she knows that he's on, you know, these black op missions and stuff like that. I love then the, the one secret is I'm going to substitute teacher class. Yeah. She doesn't <laughs> even know he's substituting until at least halfway <laughs> through the movie. Like that's the mission he doesn't tell her. about. <laughs> well, we've all been in a relationship guys, you know, sometimes. Sure. <laughs> no. Yeah, so that's pretty much how we get to where we get to. One more thing yeah. with just like the cast and characters, and off air you pointed this out to me, Larson, but I had already written it down. There are way too many characters named Rodriguez in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys wouldn't know this, but I just um, recorded an episode for a film called Hiding Out with John Cryer, and the first person to die in that is named Rodriguez. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this is... <laughs> Man, you're talking to a guy with the name Kyle, the most punchline name of the okay, all. Fair, I was just fair. watching Tom Segura's new special. He's like, fuck you, Kyle. I'm like, God damn it. Although like, I, just... I, I did read something online, and I, I read it online, so I don't know how true it is. But uh, it said that Rodriguez is the number one last name in the Americas. Not Smith? James I mean, Smith? in the Americas. Yeah, like North and South America. Look, it's possible, <laughs> it's possible, and I get that. I have a very common last name. However, when do you see in movies people, like, take that into account? Like, oh, I'm Smith, too. That's cool. Like, that just doesn't happen. Like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> what it, Was Tom Berenger, you know, like, was he trying to be funny when he said, because he, he has that dry sense of humor and like in, in this film, but then in other films too, just like his delivery. Was he trying to be funny when, and like, 
being ironic when he said, name me something unusual, James Smith? Like, is it because that's not, because that is a very bland name, or is it unusual because he's in a world full of, like, Rodriguez's? There are, I think, four credited screenwriters, but... <laughs> wow. I, like any good screenplay I, has. I think there are there are a lot of hints that this screenplay is, is a little smarter than your average, you know, uh, commando. For example, when Berenger and Ernie Hudson meet... Their first scene together is fantastic. And Ernie Hudson talks about how he was a cop and he was involved in these race riots in 1980, the, the Liberty City riots, which were, you know, a big thing. It was, a, it was an incident where white cops were acquitted for beating up a, a black person and there were riots and he was one of the cops who was sent down there to, like, control things. And he's talking about how it put him in this complicated situation and you know that's the kind of research you wouldn't get from a fucking steven seagal movie no no and that actually gave me some sympathy for the character until he like karate chopped a paddle speaking of unusual commitment how is it that a cop becomes a high school principal (laughs) you want the short version i was at the liberty city riots in 1980 not the best time to be a black cop in Miami. You watch your old neighborhood burn down. People you grew up with getting shot, busted. You suddenly face a clear choice. Devastation or education. I chose the latter. Went to night school, got my certificate, got my master's, and now here I am. And running for city council out here. <laughs> well, if the voters are wise. And what's your background, Mrs. Smith? Oh, standard liberal arts education. I was a government bureaucratic worker for years, mostly in health education welfare department. And then, uh, well, I guess like you, I wanted to teach. One of those scars in the halls of academe. Nah, none's eighth grade. <laughs> well, you better get back to work. About those files, I really can't issue them to a temporary employee. Sorry. No problem at all. Thanks for your time. Oh, I gotta ask. Uh, doesn't it make you nervous wearing a watch like that around here? This watch was a gift from the Junior League. Anyone trying to take this watch is gonna have to take this off. Well, it's been known to happen. Hell, they hack them off with chainsaws now. <laughs> Students in Woodshop make these for me. Every year at First Assembly, I uh, give a little demonstration. Perceived. It's power achieved. I'd remember that little truism, Mr. Smith. It will assist you greatly in your teaching. That's when I was like, wait a minute, what's wrong with this guy? But you're absolutely right. I was like, shit, like anyone in that situation would feel that way. Yeah, it, and it, it really fleshed him out in a way that, you know, I, I was comparing him a lot to Alan Rickman in die hard you know just this very smooth talking guy who had it all together and he was going to pull off this big score a uh, very smart guy uh, a friend of mine actually I told him we were watching this and he said that was his favorite scene because tom berenger is looking at the principal and he's like this guy has a lot of fancy rings on uh more than a 
public school principal should have. And at the same time, the principal's looking at him being like, this guy has too many scars to be a substitute teacher. And they're both kind of sizing each other up. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Mm. Again, this so, is so much more intelligent than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe we're giving it way too much credit. Well, I don't know. I like, mean, it's it's a bit of a progressive film. It also gets the world of High Lie out. Oh, oh yeah. I wrote that, that down, too. We're going to talk sure. about that because, I mean, we can talk about it now. There's nothing more Miami than that, and I love it. Like, this movie <laughs> makes sure you know what city it's in. And, God damn it, I love when movies do that. I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but specifically with the highlight, it makes sure you know, like, how they're woven. <laughs> Like I love those two guys are just weaving. It's while the fastest you know ball game you can play. Like and yeah. it's clear because the the ball is used as a weapon. Oh my god! It's. <laughs> See, I thought I thought it was gonna be like a really badass moment where like that guy was gonna you know you know sling it at him and he was like gonna catch it and it was gonna really hurt but just like. <laughs> proving a point but that's fine yeah tom, tom berger does go back and forth that he's like really badass but then also he gets the shit kicked out of him so it's kind of like a little back and forth he is he, he is realistic but then also you know he can't die he has like terminator qualities <laughs> to him yeah the highlight stuff was like i only know a little bit about highlight and know it from a subplot on mad men and i know that it was big in miami in the 80s but when that scene opens up, there's a guy playing highlight and it's on stage in a theater. <laughs> I had always imagined it in some sort of arena, but this is like a place where you would go and see like a, a high school play. And and the guy was on stage playing highlight by himself. Yeah, I don't know. I need to find out more about. So this. so I looked that up, and apparently that's how like competition courts are laid out. They're not laid out like which I was fascinated by because I didn't know either. But they're not laid out like per se a basketball court in the round. You need that wall apparently that like side wall. So they actually do look like theaters. But I was impressed, like like you said, it wasn't just like a sports amphitheater. Like they looked like felt seats and such. Yeah, like, sure. I like to picture that it may be like these were some of the old like Miami movie houses that they repurposed for I don't like romanticize. <laughs> for this so much. Yeah. Because yeah. why not, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> So let's get into some scenes. We've already talked about some of them, but anything uh, early on in the movie that that really uh, stuck out to you? Um, that guy just farting a lot, right? Because oh, he's... the lawyer, the the <laughs> yeah. weasley lawyer guy. And then assuming that he even like shits his pants or something. Oh, let's yeah, let's talk about too, that. Too much, scene. too much fiber. Yeah, he's like a lawyer right. slash like secret drug lord, and. He, uh, we'll backtrack a little because I wrote like, is this Kyle's favorite scene? First, when they're like, <laughs> they need jobs, right? So the guy who's like the right hand man assistant, sorry, I don't remember his name. Let me look that up. It's Raymond, oh, Joey Six. Joey Six is like, all right, let's I'm set up a meeting. Let's go to the strip club. It's Uzi night. I'm like, Uzi night? And it literally is Uzi night at a strip club. And I said, this is Kyle's favorite scene, right, Kyle? Uzi night? At the strip club. You got to see naked Wa- girls. Waving around semi-automatic uh, weapons <laughs> in a strip club? I, I honest to God something that appeals not, to you, Kyle? Honest to God, I must have not been paying attention specifically to this scene because I do not remember it whatsoever. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think, because the beginning, honestly, it wasn't until, like, he really got into the school that, like, I was captivated. Okay, fair, fair. So they go into the strip club, and it's just, like, to, you know, set the meeting up. And I was like, oh, my God. this. Wait, were there boobs? 
Did I miss boobs? No, I don't think there were. Not like not nipple seeing, (laughs) you know, like. They were just girls at the strip club, like in bikinis. Dancing, yeah, it's you know? like a TV uh, version of a strip club yeah. where they're all, you know. Uh, okay, so yeah, I'm yeah. Not, okay. For a second, I was gonna. That's why you didn't miss anything. Don't worry see. about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding around. Anyway, so there's this meeting at this big drug lord's home, and I guess there's competing mercenary teams. Whether it's going to be Tom Berenger's team or this other guy's team, who's got a video advertising his services. I thought it was a oh. joke, but no. I'm, oh my god, what a video. Did you guys, like, remember this? When the world is giving you trouble, think John Janus. Soldier of Fortune magazine calls him the ultimate mercenary. And from Tripoli to Panama, he's proven it. Piano one, knives, <laughs> artillery, landmines, bayonets, helicopter repelling, smoke jumping, parachuting, karate, Missiles, guns, and his bare hands. They don't call him a one-man army for nothing. So when you want clean, private mercenary work at reasonable rates, think John Janus. That was so hot. Yeah, it really was. Great editing, too. Who was the editor? That's the guy I'm at. The guy does rock videos. Mm. Thanks, John. Thank you. Why don't you stay and watch Mr. Shale's reel? No, I don't have a reel. I see. Well, why don't I shut John out? Yeah. Okay. John? Thank you, man. John Janis is his name. John Janis. Yeah. And it definitely reminded me of a Better Call Saul advertisement. (laughs) Yeah. I liked it. And then there's a great reference to it at the end. He's just like, oh, you're going to be on my reel or something like that. (laughs) My highlight reel. The guy has a mercenary reel. It's it's just amazing. I mean, you don't. Uh, now with social media, you don't see all those mercenaries posting on Instagram stories, <laughs> looking to get hired. It's a well, they use a the dark web. It. Yes, <laughs> the Weasley guy who who's looking to hire mercenaries. Of course, uh, as soon as he shows the film reel guy out the door, he rips a huge fart. <laughs> and I was like, really? I was not expecting that in this movie that this guy would just. Let loose with a fart. And then he's just like, I've been holding that in a while. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's better. I've been holding that for 20 minutes, waiting for her to leave. Thank you for sharing. 10 grams of fiber every morning. Flushes all the toxins right out of your system. It's great. Regularity is the key. You want some? Uh, no, thanks. I flushed this morning. And our orange juice here, or decaf, tea? No, thank you. Uh, can we talk about the job at hand? You're a real cut-to-the-chase kind of guy, huh, Shale? That's me. Yeah. All right, thank you, Deirdre. Sure. Well, good. I like that. Uh, all right. My client runs a large import business dealing in South American goods. And obviously his business depends on a steady flow of product. Regularity's the key. <laughs> Very good. Exactly. I mean... Delays can cost you a large chunk of the market. We're looking for trained soldiers who can guarantee the shipments and who also have the ability to deal decisively with anyone who tries to interfere. Like who, for instance? Well, our competitors, certain government agencies, which sometimes amounts to pretty much the same thing. Ah. So what you're looking for is a crew to protect your drug shipments possibly kill any rival dealers and maybe even government agents if they happen to get in the way. Didn't I say you were a cut-to-the-chase kind of guy, didn't I? You don't want soldiers, you want killers. 
You know, you have to excuse me here, Shale, because I wasn't aware that there was that much of a difference. Oh, there's a difference. You want to know what the difference is? Yeah. I'll play. You tell me what the difference is. But I don't want any substitution. Well, uh, the difference is, the difference is, you're still breathing. And, and it's obvious that, that Behringer is just disgusted by this guy. And, and when Behringer finds out that he wants him to, like, protect drug shipments, he says, uh, you want a killer, not a soldier. And the Weasley guy is like, what's the difference? And he, he grabs him by the neck and puts him up against the wall. And he's like, uh, like I'm a mercenary, so... I don't. Oh God, what is it? It's something, a, or so. If if I were in a soldier, you'd be dead yeah, right now. Yeah, if I, yeah, and something like that. And then he shits his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and it's brought up later in the film too. This isn't like a one-off <laughs> moment. Like this is a, something that is significant in this character's life in this movie. <laughs> and almost as if he shared it because that other guy left already. He specifically waited for him to leave. To you know, rip that fart, and then he's then that guy that left is the one that like brings it up and makes the, the like seminal chief or laugh shit. or whatever. Well, yeah. maybe he had to come back in and clean him up after he shit maybe. his pants. I don't know. I get, yeah, but or there's yeah. mercenary for hire. They do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hire a like a green beret mercenary to wipe my ass. <laughs> That would be terrible. I have way too much respect for their service. Yes, um, yes, we do respect the soldiers <laughs> out there. There's a great line after Tom Berenger leaves the meeting and he tells one of his old crew that he turned it down. They say, uh, do you not like working merely for money? And Tom Berenger says, it's not the money part that bothers me. It's the merely. <laughs> which merely? is, which is he has, a good line. He has honor. He has code. <laughs> You know, yeah, for sure. Uh, Later yeah. on, I, I just have a quick note. Later on, he's meeting with his old crew and he's telling them that they're gonna bust this high school based drug ring. Some people are skeptical and they say, like, fuck you, and they call him a queer. And they're at a gun range, yeah, the gun range and, scene. I read that down. And just behind them are a pair of parents with a small child. <laughs> okay, right I wrote that down them, too. Florida. At the, oh, it is Florida. Florida. <laughs> That's true. Florida. Florida man, yeah. Like, do you oh, think that this boy. was put in there for comedy reasons, or is that just like this is life? Who knows? I mean, they had to they had to like consciously know that there was a child in the background. Yeah, everything is a decision. Yeah. I mean, so at, at the same time, maybe they were just maybe they did the same thing. People at the gun range, they offered him Papa John's. <laughs> it's true. <to> stay. <laughs> That's we how you get movies, We man. don't know. Papa John's gets range. people to stick around and it sticks in your stomach like, I don't know. There's some kind of line <laughs> there. <For> food <laughs> yeah, I wrote, yeah, in that scene, there's some ball grabbing. I think Tom Berenger like grabs Holland balls or something like that or vice versa it's a very florida scene (laughs) yeah i just wanted so like in the not to jump all the way to the end but since we're talking about like him like letting them know about like the high school or whatever like it's never presented to him that they're going to be getting any kind of payment well he said he says that there's going to be payments on the back end because they're Drug, drug money, money yeah. Oh, like they could, they could take almost like in a pirate sense, like yes, take what you can, like a plunder, yeah, yeah plunder. like that's like not the not the drugs, but the yes. money. I mean, they don't. I don't gotcha. think they specifically know it's not the drugs. It, essentially, he says, "Hey, we're dealing with drug dealers. You know, there's money there somewhere. You know, it, 
kind gotcha. of an ambiguous okay. promise, but okay, it yeah. does and it does happen. And speaking of that, you know, about halfway through the movie, they bust up a minor drug deal and end yeah. up with a suitcase full of money that Tom Berenger uses to buy school supplies and Papa John's for the students. Yeah, Papa John's. I, I wrote down, it was like tubas, uh, like sports uniforms, books, VCRs, and pizza. Well, okay, yeah. first of all, VCRs? Um, okay. But I, I wrote down, like, he spends money like a dictator, right? Like, none of this is properly allocated. Like, he's just throwing out tubas like they're going to practice and play and suddenly be in the band. There's no, like, structure to, like, teach them how to play. It's just like... Well, not until Mr. Holland shows yes, up. I've, I've, I'm, yeah, who knows he didn't use part of that money to uh, hire Mr. Holland. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's more of a figurative, uh, not a figure, a symbolic thing than anything else. And it's also kind of a subtle fuck you to the principal. Yeah, that's uh, where it's best served, yeah. for sure. Yeah. B- Brian, I, I, I know you like giving homework assignments. Uh, just by saying the Holland thing, I've come up with maybe a fun one for you. With all the films that you've seen I like definitely you don't have to give like an answer now, but just like your dream, you're the principal. Or, I mean, if there's a great film principal, obviously that too. But create, like, your high school staff and, like, what teacher from oh, each film. Oh, I like one. that, Kyle. That let's, could be an entire episode. Yeah, let's write that down. Let's, like, do, yeah. like, a, a fantasy draft of high school staff. Yeah, fantasy, oh, exactly. There you go. Absolutely. Good put, a, put a pin in that one. High school. Uh, I, I was going to say the homework should be to add up all of the things Tom Berenger buys for the school and figure out how much money was in that briefcase. <laughs> you, could, you could do that too. But I like I like Kyle's better. <laughs> so, a- any other scenes, uh, you know, like in the meat of this film that stuck out at you? Um, that scratching and itch leads to sex. <laughs> oh, we, true. We get an intimate scene, Kyle. Yeah, I think it was even suggested some like cunnilingus there. Like it was <laughs> good, good. It was, yeah, I, good. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying anything negative <laughs> about that. I mean, you know, six feet away nowadays, but that was that was between Berenger and his girlfriend. Yeah, she, after you know, because she has her like busted up leg. They never yeah, say broken. Yeah. It's just like you got a busted leg. I remember uh, <laughs> on their date, they're drinking MGD Miller yeah. Genuine Draft, which was nice. A big deal in the late 90s. In fact, I think some of my first illicit beers uh, were MGDs in in the woods somewhere. (laughs) Well, well, Larson, whenever you do have your uh, housewarming party, I'm going to bring some Miller Genuine Drafts just to celebrate. Oh, if you can find it, sure. I mean, there were a lot of beers back then. There was Ice House. There was uh, Moosehead. (laughs) What? There was... Yeah, yeah. There was Red Dog. Red Dog. I do remember yeah. that one. Oh, Red Dog. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There were there were a lot of dry. Like dry was a thing for some reason. <laughs> dry and ice beer were both a thing. <laughs> like people people desired dry and ice. I I don't know. There are, there are, like history is full of weird variations of classic uh, beverages that last like a few years and then go away taste change but yeah uh, when i have a housewarming party late 90s beers only (laughs) are wine coolers acceptable Uh, yes but they would have to like wine coolers were kind of on their way out by the late 90s there were jack daniels coolers though (laughs) 
which were great. They came in an iced tea, a lemonade, or a uh, oh something else, but they were a cola. Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah, they had the cans. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. (laughs) My my best friend and I watched Beavis and Butthead do America uh, in an empty theater in like 1996, which we'll be covering soon on High School Slumber Party. But continue. (laughs) And we drank Jack Daniels coolers in there. But wait, you said in 1996 you're a junior in high school. How are you drinking Jack Daniels coolers? Uh, we we both worked at Domino's Pizza, and there not was, Papa John's. Papa John's? Yeah. No, no. And there was a girl who worked there who was like twenty two, and we convinced her to buy us <laughs> drinks. And it was my friend's idea to get the Jack Daniels coolers, and I was like, "Shouldn't we get beer? Like, isn't that what dudes drink?" And he's like. Why would we drink beer? Beer is gross. Like we can drink <laughs> delicious things that taste like lemonade and 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 Coca Cola. Why would that not be the obvious choice? So oh, man. <laughs> he was right. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, and uh, another scene. I mean, not even a, but just like part of a scene is when Mister Sherman is. Uh, sacrificing himself the fact that he decides to climb that rope to nowhere oh okay Uh, well i want to get to the big ending kyle because like i want to break this down but yeah before that i I do have another i guess a moment that kind of like lights the spark of the big ending it's basically everyone knows that everyone all the cards have been laid on the table we'll put it that way you know not maybe not everyone knows everyone's complete mission but Ernie Hudson knows that Tom Berenger is not on his side. Tom Berenger knows that Ernie Hudson's a bad guy, too. And we get this great, like, I'm strapping on the bulletproof vest and shit's going to go down today scene. I think that at this point there's been a couple. Before that, li- you're saying for that library scene? Yeah. Or like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I-, I think before that there's been some attacks on his life. Is that correct? Um, at, cer- at a certain point, his car is driven into a trailer. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's later. Right. That's later. But this okay. is where it's that's all later. on the table. It's the showdown in the library. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the coolest thing to me about like uh, Tom Berenger's character here is that he could probably kill everyone instantly if he wants to. But he likes to teach lessons, you know? The door is closed. And he's just throwing books at people. He's like, everyone, put your guns in here. He tells the librarian to lock the guns with her and call, not call the police right away. Call the police in 15 minutes because he's about to throw everyone out the fucking window. And this, (laughs) oh, my God, I loved it. It was so, like, again, testosterone here. Yeah. Did anyone notice that, like, I mean, so she locks herself in there, but then when there was the wide shot, those, like, the wired glass wall only went up, like, eight feet high. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, like, if they wanted to. I mean, obviously, she did also. She was, like, holding the gun ready to shoot uh, that one guy before Tom Berenger comes up back behind him. I just love, yeah, like, Tom Berenger just, like, knows that he left, like, his gun in, you know, in that, like, book deposit it looked like in the front or whatever uh and he's wearing the vest but i i, I always love moments like this is like oh yeah i'm gonna get i'm gonna get shot in the chest like i'm not gonna they're not gonna shoot me in the head <laughs> no he's not worried like... about that <laughs> yeah and and soon after that showdown they make the decision that it's time for it's time for the mercenaries to move in and break up the drug operation it's also the time when the principal and the Weasley lawyer hire their own mercenaries and everybody shows up at the school late at night and it's a fucking crazy showdown. Battle zone. 
it's great. It, it, this is where it stops having any pretense of anything other than a cheesy action movie and it it does it real well. It's such a like becomes such a battle zone like even like the writer, the director, they knew they needed to have Tuco Salamanca say at the end like, "Oh no, of course the cops are just showing up now." Yeah. Like they knew it was just so ridiculous. They were like, "Well, we have to recognize <laughs> yeah, like, that the cops haven't shown table, up yet yeah. <laughs> because there's grenades and bazookas going off and the greatest coke fight of all time." <laughs> yes, better than Scarface. Like this <laughs> This is uh, all like, I guess, initiated because suppose. Well, your boy Kyle, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Sherman. Because Mr. Sherman and Tom Berenger's character are supposed to have been killed, so now it's like it's go time. Let's you know, kick this operation to gear. We've killed our like main people who know about it, but you never know who could coming back. Of course, you, you talked about like Sherman climbing the ropes. It's so like sad. His self sacrifice. His realizing that. Someone, his hero, the principal, is like not a hero at all. Yeah, because Sherman has a conversation. Like Sherman figures out that Berenger is up to something, uh, and he confronts him about it. And Berenger is like, "I think the principal is up to some shady shit." And the guy's like, "No way! This guy, you know, he he represents his people. He's a role model. He's an yeah, upstanding he's city citizen." Council. Like. Yeah. I believe in him and he's he's an inspiration for a lot of us and you know that's what makes his final betrayal that much harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no Sherman made, like brought up a good point cuz yeah, what he fi- he finds out by going to Jane's apartment and you know and then Jane and Sherman finding out at the same time that this is like the same person. Then so Sherman knows that he's like a mercenary or whatever and he, and he yeah, and he says to him like Listen, like after this is all said and done, I'm gonna still be here with these kids, so I want to help. And uh, yeah, that's that's definitely his his death is probably the most like tragic one in this film, just in in, in that sense that he was a good guy and uh, and then even sa- sacrificed himself for that one um, that one student when he let her hit, hide away. Even though, admittedly, it's kind of ridiculous that he's crawling up a gym class rope. <laughs> Yeah. To get away from the bad guys. I mean, uh, like, I don't yeah, care if there is an open skylight at the top. Like, there are other options. Guys with guns, you know? <laughs> yeah. This isn't like... Yeah, they all have guns, days. but then but uh, Mark Anthony climbs up the rope and stabs him in the wrist or something like that. It's yeah, better that way. Just more dramatic. <laughs> I-, I love during the action of this last segment of the film, there's so much high school imagery being incorporated into these action scenes like there's a there's a showdown in a science lab where the walls are lined with terrariums yeah and, uh, <laughs> you know there there's uh the coke is being held in the auto shop so it's like a fight in an auto garage and the final showdown between Beringer and the principal uh is in like the trophy case section there's just a lot of like they could have had this anywhere, but they definitely put the the production designer put the thought of including a lot of iconic imagery to make you realize all of this is happening in a high school. And you know, for this podcast, I love it. <laughs> I love every <laughs> minute of that. You know, just seeing the lockers and. Like, you know, again, back to the gym rope. Like, these are all these classes and all these things that I see in so many other movies that obviously these things aren't happening with them. But it's so great to get this weirdo breath of 
fresh air, if you will, that's like a different genre taking place in the same world that you've been watching for over a sure, hundred yeah. episodes now. <laughs> oh man. And, and this fight, like it was badass. You get Behringer saying you're on candid camera. Oh my God. Yeah. How dated of a line. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, so what he finally, he kills Ernie Hudson with like a face palm uppercut. Okay. So that was one thing I was disappointed in, right? There's like people getting shot people getting killed in the most crazy, unusual ways, characters coming back to life for just one shot to kill someone else, you know? And then he kind of just punches Ernie Hudson, and he's dead. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not like one of those punches that, like, Roadhouse style, that there's a mythos behind it, that we heard he's torn out a guy's throat or anything like that. There's no, like, earlier in the movie, like, we see him do it in... Cuba or like or even the mercenaries just sharing a stories of like badass kills or something like that or yeah I I know that and and I'm assuming this is what they were trying to do is that like if you if you hit somebody with the right force at the right angle with your palm under their chin it drives their nasal bone up into their brain and instantly kills them I, I don't know if that's just something I heard in Should have been something movie, being taught but, in like a biology class. In the yeah, movie. <laughs> or but but like it would have been a lot more effective, like you said, if he had if he did that at the beginning to kill someone, or if they discussed that at some point. But it it does well, end up feeling pretty anticlimactic. Yeah, or like I mean I know they're in the hallway at that point, but if we're like using all the rooms in the high school, if they're back in the library or like they're by a locker and there's a textbook go like matt damon born identity and kill him with a book like do the same move but with a book or something and then have some kind i know it's not a line of a movie of one-liners like it's even weird that he quotes the terminator and says i'll be back at one point to uh, his girlfriend (laughs) that is pretty great yeah the movie's a little all over like it doesn't i don't know if it knows it's like own action movie identity in some kind of ways like maybe because it's in a weird transition period of like the 90s i don't know exactly but yeah it's a a misopportunity for like good guy versus bad guy kill that is a good point like you know you brought up before that but at this point that that sort of style of action movie was on its way out and being replaced by something else and like this would have been right around that time to to be a little more self-aware about the kind of tropes and care. I mean, this is right around when the Hot Shots movies were coming out. So it, it kind of was a time to be subversive and ironic. Maybe they were at certain points. Who knows? Like, I, I think I said this early on. I was kind of surprised this is 96 and not a little bit earlier. Again, I wasn't really... I, this is the first time I've seen this movie, so maybe... I'm off on this, but it definitely felt a little bit more of a throwback to something like even a couple years earlier than than some of the other films from 1996 that I've covered on this podcast. Any other uh, things you wanted to mention in terms of scenes or moments? There's one thing about it, because, you know, of course, knowing I was watching this for this podcast, I was thinking of it through the lens of it being a high school movie. And we discussed a lot of that earlier about his relationship with his class and, and how I think that was handled surprisingly well. Uh, and also the fact that they introduced all this high school iconography into the action scenes. But there was also 
part of it reminded me of summer school, which was an early episode of yours. <laughs> in movies like this, you have certain people in the class who have personalities. You know, you had Mark Anthony, who was the evil uh, drug dealer. But you also had this guy, Jerome. Yeah, Jerome. Who, That's a good call. Who ended up being like the the kid that Berenger kind of mentors. Uh, and yeah, that was and a has him pretty good relationship. Yeah, yeah. And Kyle, you mentioned like he has him teaching the classroom <laughs> at one point, which is crazy. But it's like the I think one... it's Jerome in the beginning that's like in the fight, right? In the beginning of the movie, like when I think that... so. I, it's one of these things where um, they, they make it clear that that's the kid he gets through to the most. And it's something I wanted to really bring up that despite this being like a tough guy action film, it really makes it a point to highlight the role of teachers and how important they can be in like the lives of these students. Uh, if anything, it kind of shows that like, Hey, maybe teachers are like better than mercenaries. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I liked that because it was just, again, a nice little homage to high school. I, I do some films that just happen to take place in high school, but this one just from the, the setting, but also how it hits home, like the importance of like th th these like almost life lessons he's giving these kids that hey you know like this is school these are impressionable youth when he's talking about like oh how many of you have kids do you want your kids joining gangs and stuff like that and maybe it's a little preachy i get that but hey you know it, it helps again it helps the high school part of it for me yeah i mean there are there are a lot of movies like dangerous minds like stand and deliver High School High with John Lovitz, uh, where it's about teachers who are trying to connect with urban kids who don't want to listen. And in the end, the lesson is always that, like, there are teachers who care and there are teachers who uh, believe in you. And once you make the kids feel like you believe in them, that's when things start to change. And most of those other movies, they spend the whole movie on that. And it's just kind of a subplot in this. And yet still, they're able to make it effective. Yeah. I mean, and again, it, it was cool. It was refreshing to see in this again. Yeah. I, I think maybe I enjoyed it because my expectations were low, but whatever. Maybe it's the mood we're all in. I feel like this is a movie that maybe people are going to be watching now because they've watched every single other movie that's on like Amazon or Netflix. And, you know, <laughs> we might get to this level of film and that would be awesome to me. Yeah, this, I mean, this this kind of film, I could, I mean, I don't know, have they covered it on, like, how did this get made? Like, I think it's a good time to do a podcast episode about this film, just because, like you said, there's going to be some deep diving going on, and this was uh, a pleasant surprise. Like you said, I didn't have any expectations for it <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, I, I loved watching this, because it was... It was a real throwback, and, and, and I feel like it's it's kind of a comfort movie. It's a movie where the good guys beat the bad guys, and, and it's, it's simple and fun, and I, I think that that's the kind of movie that people, that's the kind of entertainment that people are probably gravitating towards these days. You know, something that leaves you feeling like, awesome, you know, not... <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect not word. Not sad. Right? <laughs> so I don't know if you guys read this, but there's actually four direct-to-DVD sequels to this film. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They're, well, yeah. they're not with Berenger. They're with somebody else, right? Yeah. Some guy named yeah. Treat Williams, and he doesn't okay. play Tom Berenger's character. I think he plays. I don't. I don't want to like 
make this up, but I think it read it was something like a cousin or something. Oh no, it was a platoon mate from Vietnam. They like serve together, you know, so they have a similar philosophy. And Johnny Six is in the other films, or at least the first one as well, but he's played by a different actor. And that's just like the bridge to what these films are. They do not look good, but I'll read their titles anyway. <laughs> the Substitute 2, School's Out, and that was 1998. The Substitute 3, Winner Takes All, 1999. And The Substitute, Failure is Not an Option, 2001. Oh. So if any of you guys are interested in those, they are available video on demand. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be watching them, <laughs> but uh, hey, they exist. Good to know they're out there. <laughs> In case you need your fix of the substitute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so every week we do our awards, and the first award is the Wooderson Award, or the Wooderson, Wooderson Spicoli Award, and that's for a character who you would have liked to see more of. Again, f- famously... Matthew McConaughey was only supposed to have like one or two lines in Dazed and Confused, but he impressed the director so much that he was given a much larger role. Is there anyone in this film who you would want to have seen more of? Hmm. Not off the top of my head. Like, I mean, the fact that Mark Anthony stayed like a bad guy, like, like Larson said, like I thought maybe in the beginning, like he would end up teaming up and like, or, you know, yeah, but like betraying like the principal or something like that. So it's not that I want to see more of him. It's like I want to see something a little different of him because I it was fun seeing Mark Anthony um, in this. But okay, yeah, no, yeah. How about you? Uh, uh, well, I mean, as much as I think they spent the appropriate amount of time with all of them, I loved Beringer's platoon, mm-hmm. and you know, I would love to see a spinoff. Like William Forsythe's character, of course, was the most entertaining. But what movie couldn't use more Luis Guzman? Exactly, and I mentioned that before. That's my choice. <laughs> I'd like to see. Oh, more I'm sorry. Of this I thought character. you were talking just students. No, no, anyone, anyone. Just any character. Yeah, Luis Guzman. Like I want him. I want him to be more Guzmani. <laughs> the other one I wrote down was uh, John Janis, the mercenary with the commercial. Oh yeah. I, I would have wanted to see more of a payoff. I, I know he's in the final battle. I, I wish he had more of a goofy death to like justify, like, look at this idiot. He had this kind of, uh, you know, video to advertise himself, and he really was pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the next award is the Long Duck Dong Award, and this is a character whose maybe time hasn't, you know, aged this character too well, or just in general whose admission in the film would make this film better. Any thoughts on this one, guys? You know, we talked before that this movie shockingly avoids a lot of stereotyping Mm -hmm. and caricaturing. Um, So I can't think of anybody, and and it's shocking to me. I totally thought that this this category was going to blow up, but you might be right. (laughs) The only thing I'll say is, again, not everyone has to be named Rodriguez, that's all. (laughs) Good point. Kyle, anyone here or no? Um, no. I it seemed like he connected with the kids pretty damn fast. Like I know it was a different way than than um than uh God, what 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 was her name? But I mean, like you know how she was teaching the class. Like I know it's a different style. Yeah. But it just seemed like he connected with them like right away. So maybe by having 
it's not it's not taking anybody out per se, but maybe just like waiting on that a little bit more. It seemed like that payoff of this you know this genre of movie of the you know teacher coming in and fixing up the classroom happened pretty fast. Gotcha. I mean, I didn't mind it because of the genre, but I see where you're saying. Now, Cameron Fry Award, famously Alan Ruck was 30 years old when he played 18-year-old Cameron Fry in Ferris Bueller. Was there anyone here who looked way too old to be a high schooler? I think Mark Anthony did. Yeah, so there were some people like Mark Anthony, but my feeling was this high school was so adult, if you will. There's drug deals and violence and gangs that nothing really took me out of me. It wasn't like that, you know jock quarterback with the five o'clock shadow or something like that (laughs) who knows how old mark anthony is one thing i said is like i was kind of surprised a lot of these people stayed in school i wasn't sure what their like motivation was why not just drop out not i'm not advocating that in real life guys but you know what i mean like if you're a rich drug dealer and you're driving a fancy car at this point what's the point of getting your degree yeah (laughs) yeah exactly if you're not yeah (laughs) well that is just that is a reality in in a lot of schools like this is that people stop going because it's like you know one of one of the kids even says like I could be out there dealing drugs or I could stay here and get a diploma and work at a fast food restaurant like what would you do? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good call. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the critics gave this forty one percent. The audience gave it forty percent. So pretty across the board. 40s but in the moment you're in right now letter grade what's your report card grade guys a to f or a plus to f but you know what i mean i'll give it a solid b solid b wow that's pretty good for a movie like this yeah i would i would say b as well it's it's not a you know it's not a great film but it was fun it was well acted it looked good it was smarter than i certainly was prepared to give it credit for so yeah I would say easily a B. And it had that great cut of the guy's face going towards the fan boat fan to the orange juice. Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) That was, yeah. You you can't have a movie like this without a bad guy killing someone in a a particularly cruel manner. And putting a guy's face into a fan boat is pretty awesome. That'll do it. Um, I, I gave it a B minus. I didn't think it would be the lowest score today, but we're all around the same because, like, this is I, this film. I think exceeded all our expectations, and maybe it's again the mood we're in right now. But that's awesome, and I'm really happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool question. What the substitute themed sleeping bag are you bringing to the slumber party? Ooh, I have an answer to this one. In the beginning, they went out of their way to kind of show just how gritty and how how prison like. Uh, the school was and just about every surface was covered with a like a a wire gate Um, (laughs) and there was graffiti on every surface so mine would be like a brick wall with graffiti on it and a and a gate over it (laughs) i like that how about you kyle um so what did we say was the was the other mercenary's name which one the like the rodriguez (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. The one with the video made the video. Oh, oh, oh John Janis. Okay, yeah. I think going off of his video, and at one point there's like kind of these like big leaf leaf like ghillie suits showing them like sneaking up on somebody <laughs> and putting a knife to their throat. So I think I would go with some kind of like 
Gilly suit sleeping bag. All right, the John Janice themed sleeping bag. John Janice. <laughs> <laughs> it would just, and the zipper would be like a blonde ponytail, like slicked back. Oh, like, that's uh... great. Something tells me John Janice had those available on his website. <laughs> <laughs> So mine is going to be the chalkboard, and it's going to be like Mark Anthony like writing I'm sorry like a million times, but it's going to look like Bart Simpson writing on the board. Isn't it, isn't it spelled yeah, wrong? Yeah, it's spelled wrong. S-O-R-E-Y. So it's going to yeah. like be a Simpsons drawing of Mark Anthony writing I'm sorry like a million times on the board. So I that's like mine. it. <laughs> that's okay. Great. So one of my favorite categories here, uh, you, you both get to pick one. You know, this is 19, it's not 1996 because you could pick a movie from any time, but we're walking into Blockbuster. We see a deal, rent two movies, get one free. We've already rented the substitute for our slumber party. Each pick one. What films should we rent for this wonderful, wonderful night we're going to have? Um, I think it's right around, I think it might actually might be the same year. I know you said it didn't have to be the same year, but since I was doing action comparisons, I'm going with uh, Godzilla. There's that 1998. Oh, like, like, I think at 97, 98, like that, like Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Yeah, exactly. So different to this film. <laughs> so it. different, but you've Netflix. got the Broderick high school connection. Uh, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I see Ferris Bueller in a different setting. Yeah, so Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. <laughs> okay, how about you, Larson? Uh, I would definitely, uh, I would rent the movie Class of 1999. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's from... The year 1990. I think it's a sequel to a movie called Class of 1984. Which yeah, is which about... we covered here, Mike Manzi and I, on this podcast. Yeah, really it, early apparently on. it's it's about students gone wild and and et cetera, et cetera. Class of 1999 is is where the school has learned their mistakes from that and created uh, cyborg teachers. <laughs> um, Malcolm McDowell, Stacy Keach, and Ooh. Pam Greer are some of them, wow. and the the students have to organize to take down the robot teachers and the scientists that are controlling them. Well, that's awesome! <laughs> I love yeah, <laughs> what a night we're going to have! <laughs> oh, for sure. So anything else uh, on The Substitute you guys want to say? If not, where can people follow you? Kyle, I know you have a show. I've heard of it. I said it before we started recording. We were just messaging on the side. I said I watched it at one in the morning. <laughs> and I said, which is the perfect time. And you responded like you were typing at the same time. And you're like, which is the perfect time to watch it. It was just... <laughs> It was just a bit, yeah, like that awesome, like, you know, kind of like fever rush kind of, which makes me scared in this climate. That, that <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, so, hey, it's on Amazon Prime, guys. Watch it and then listen to this episode. Well, if you're hearing me say listen to this episode. <laughs> tell people to watch it and then tell them to listen to this episode. There you've you go. got nothing else to do, literally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Certainly nothing Order else to do. Order some Papa John's. Just make it a, make it a lovely evening. <laughs> All right, Larson, uh, anything else you want to say or if you want people to follow you? Uh, I loved it. I, I loved that we covered a movie that I literally watched at a high school sleepover. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. Yeah, that. we had a great conversation. I will say at the end of the movie, when they, they're having their big showdown and all the cocaine is in the auto shop, Kyle, I think, mentioned it briefly before, but there's a drug fight. Where they just kind of pick up bags of cocaine and start slapping each other with them and it's flying everywhere. And it's like, I know that you're like good guys and you're not going to sell this stuff illicitly when it's over. But like, 
you know, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> it seems a little silly. I don't know. But I loved it. It's exactly the kind of movie, like, I'm going to be watching a lot more ridiculous 80s and 90s action movies during this horrible, crazy time because they're, they, they just make you feel good. They absolutely do. And I thank you guys for making me feel good today and talking about the substitute it was a nice cathartic process um uh oh sorry larson do you want people to follow you i forgot oh i, I guess so i mean <laughs> i hosted a uh, a podcast with uh chris podcast of the of cage club network many years ago we recorded 11 episodes and the 11th episode was just released it was recorded about four years ago so um it's, uh, it's quite an event that it's out there, um, and I'm pretty proud of it. We discussed quite possibly the most bizarre and terrible monkey movie. Uh, <laughs> and who knows? There might, there might be some more Monkey Club content coming. There's definitely going to be some stuff from me coming because I have nothing else to do. So... <laughs> And also, this has inspired me because having a conversation with more than one person uh, is something I kind of took for granted a week ago. <laughs> so this has been fantastic, and it makes me want to do it more. So, um, Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking forward to the stuff you have down the pike. And yeah, people have been watching Outbreak a lot these days. So Yes. Well, see, see yeah, that's a movie I probably am not going to watch. <laughs> fair fair and, and you know but thank you for the gift of monkey club anyway and you know really appreciate having you guys on and can't wait to have you guys on again absolutely thank you yeah thanks so great having those two on together we have to do that combo again sometime with kyle and larson and definitely check out whatever larson has up his sleeve soon i can't wait to hear you know what his next project's gonna be and of course check out kyle on foodie films he's doing a lot of fun stuff i've guessed it actually a couple times recently so you want to check that podcast out on cageclub.me that's cageclub.me so your homework guys now this is your homework for Friday, so I'm counting on you to do your work at home. I'm counting on you to watch the movie and to listen to two awesome people talk about it. And this is a big one. This is one of those top 10, top 25, maybe top 5 in some people's eyes, high school films. And I can't wait to finally release this episode. My guest is Matt Delhauer. We had him on previously before for Brick, but we're going to talk a big one, like I said. This one is dazed and confused. This country is founded by people who were in the aliens, man. George Washington, man, he was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You didn't know that? No. Oh, man, they were way into that type of stuff, man. getting air from there, man. It's no good. It was the last day of school. Uh, Miss Crawford, I was thinking that maybe you and I can get together over the summer. I mean, it'll be legal. I mean, can I... It was the first day of summer vacation. You guys know anything about a party here tonight? No, sir. It was a time they will never forget. There's a new fiesta in the making as we speak. I thought he was cute. Oh, this you thought he was cute? Do you realize when he graduated, we were like three years old? If only. 
they could remember it. Okay. So you're not going to go to law school? What do you want to do then? I want to dance. You going to be quarterback next year? I don't know. I might not even play. You're in need of a serious attitude adjustment, young man. Super dominant male in a 50s greaser uniform. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> the 50s were boring. The 60s rocked. The 70s, oh my God, they obviously suck. Dazed and confused, see it with a bud. Behind every good man, there's a woman. And that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big, fat bowl waiting for him, man, when he'd come in the door, man. She was a hip, a hip, hip lady, man. Yeah, so for those of you who complain that we don't do the big movies, that we only do creepy niche stuff or, or weird things like The Substitute, well, we're giving you days and confused this Friday, so don't complain anymore. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. So that's your homework for the week guys always i really appreciate you listening it means so much to me stay safe in these times like i said if you want to reach out i'm here for you if not just listen that's awesome i really again really really appreciate it and remember guys life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it i leave you with a song from, again, the Substitute soundtrack. It's called La Raza. And it's by a musician called... Let me see, I wrote it in my notes. Kid Frost. Later, dudes. Big boss, my quit is loaded, it's full of alas. I put it in your face and you won't say nada. Vatos cholos, you call us what you will. You say we are assassins, you children not to kill. It's in my brother being ass tech warrior. You go to any extreme and hold no barriers. Chicano, and I'm brown and proud. Want this Chicano, see more than us get down. Right now, in the dirt. What's the matter? You afraid you're gonna get hurt? I'm with my homeboys, my ties, my camaradas Kicking back on me, ganga, y pa' mi no diga nada You switching gones, eh? like Al Capone, eh? Control a todos, so don't ever try to sweat me Some of you don't know what's happening Que pasa, it's not for you anyway Cause this is for the raza still here? It's over. Go home. Go.